0: So we've been in, uh, the book of 1st John, uh, for quite a while, and we've taken a little bit of a, I don't know if you'd call it a detour, but John brings up, uh, the issue of witness and evangelism and telling people about, um, the truth and, and, and the, I mean, the water, the blood, and, and the spirit. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And then, uh, last week, we, we kind of brought it home to talk a little bit more about what that means for us personally here, right now. And we, it, it really means, uh, we, we called it yelping for Yahweh. Uh, and <laughs> there were some people who literally thought we were supposed to, like, go on Yelp and, and do a Yelp for Yahweh. You can't actually do that because, um, Yahweh is not a restaurant or a place of business. So you can't actually Yelp. Um, what we were talking about was not a, doing an actual Yelp for Yahweh, but, uh, but just being the kind of people who are able to, to speak uh, comfortably and, and normally about who God is in your life and what he's doing, how faith matters to you, and, and make that just something that, that you just say and just speak. Even, uh, it doesn't have to be like this this long, drawn-out, thought-out process or strategizing how we're going to talk about it. It can be very, very just telling your experiences and, and, and your story and, and how God has intersected with that and letting that be on your, on your lips, part of your speech. Um, I gave you a homework assignment and the homework assignment was to to just do one good yelp for yahweh one good five star review of god to someone in your life um doesn't have to be someone you know but it could be probably not a believer but maybe uh and to just just drop in some 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 good news about god like hey god's done this for me or he was a part of my life and and this is what's happened and then i said once you've done that email me and uh uh it turns out a lot of you are going to need um a homework extension. Uh you missed the deadline. But that's okay. Uh we'll talk about that at the end of this sermon. Uh, <laughs> because uh yeah, I'm a very very gracious grader and I won't uh knock stuff off for being late. Uh but we are going to extend the deadline. Uh that being said, a lot of you did actually uh yelp for Yahweh and and I just want to share a couple of of the the stories that I got. Um the first uh Uh, Colleen Bacon, for those of you who don't know, um, her uh, niece, Jenna, was actually at the concert in Vegas um, during the shooting, and she was um, unharmed, uh, God be praised. Uh, I think one of her friends was shot, not killed, um, but she, I mean, very, very present, very real uh, to the Bacon family, and uh, she was communicating with her brother, uh, Jenna's dad, and saying, you know, I, I really believe that God's angels uh, were protecting Jenna. And it's, it's interesting that our verse of the month is about God's angels protecting us, um, his people. And then Colleen's uh, a brother wrote back and said, yeah, I, I actually had a dream in which I, I believe God showed me that that was the case. That he really had a, a shield of protection around uh, my daughter. Which is cool in itself. What's even cooler is that uh at work this week, Colleen, you know, we you're just talking about the, the news of your coworker, and she shared that story. This is something that, that really did happen, a real experience that we've had in our lives. Now, does that mean that, that suddenly this coworker was like, Praise the Lord, I'm saved? No, but it does mean that that now God's on that person's radar. Now there's a, a real tangible human being in their life who who has experienced something that God is doing. God is alive. God is not off doing whatever it is God does. God's present and real in life now. Another one I really liked uh, was from from Albert. Uh, Albert uh, works, uh, for those of you who don't know, he works during the week uh, north, and so he has to um, stay uh, overnight a lot of the time um, at a a place near his work um, uh, in the middle of the, the state. And uh, he was getting home from work one night uh, this week, and his, uh, his landlord was in a fit, a rage, said, Al- Albert, you got to join me for a drink, man. Things are messed up. And uh, Albert's like, whoa, what's going on? He's like, uh, my live-in girlfriend of two years just left. And then uh, I think Albert in his email said something like, and then he proceeded to use all of the four-letter words in the English language, which I thought was colorful and I liked. Nice detail. And then uh, so, and then the, the, the guy explains to Albert, Well, the, and what she said was, she said that God had spoken to her, and told her that it was time to make a change in her life, and that living this way wasn't right anymore. And then this guy point-blanks Albert and says, do you think God spoke to her? And if you know Albert, you know, he was like, yes I do! Absolutely! That's That's definitely, and then he goes on, he's like, God speaks to me too. That's how I, I, I go through life. That's how I make it through life is because I believe that a living God is a part of it and, and speaks and communicates with me. And yeah, I think you should pay attention. I think you should be listening right now. And now I'm going to bed. <laughs> I love those two stories because um, they they just they make faith real in the lives of people for whom faith isn't real. It's not a part of life, and yet it can be, and it can be vibrant. But there's bad news, because if you start making a habit of yelping for Yahweh, and you start giving God a lot of five-star reviews, uh, so at some point, unfortunately for you, someone you might encounter someone who's genuinely interested in spiritual things, and they might start asking you questions. They might point-blank you, and they'd be like, yeah, I got some... I'm, Hey, so you're a Christian, you you talk about this stuff from time to time. Hey, I would like to hear uh, your thoughts on X, right? Now, for most of us, that is uh, about the worst thing that can happen, Uh, because we're we're Americans, Uh, we live in a country where we know that um, when we're in public, we never speak about politics or religion. Uh, and what we talk about is, you know, the NFL, and now that's political too. It's, it's, we're running out of topics that we can comfortably talk about around the water cooler. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's a bummer for us. And so we're, we're conditioned in our normal lives, our everyday lives, to make sure we never say anything specific about God. And so that's our question for today. What happens uh, when someone starts getting interested in faith? What do we do? Um, we're not going to be in 1 John today. We're going to take a, a look at a story um, in Acts. Uh, Luke tells the story, and he does a lot of stories like this. This is just uh, one of my favorites. Um, if you'd like to turn there, you can. It's also going to be um, on, the, on the screen, but we're going to be in Acts 8, 26-39. And let's uh, take a look at the, the text. It's a longer text, so I've broken it up, and we're just going to take it in, in pieces. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip may have been an apostle, uh, one of the original 12 disciples, we're not sure. We do know that in Acts, uh, Philip was um, elected to be a leader in the Jerusalem church. He was one of like seven guys, along with some other famous Christians like Stephen, to take care of people. And it turned out that he also had a gift for evangelism, so he would like to go and he preached to the Samaritans, and he um, he was just a, he was an all-around Christian great guy. The Lord, uh, Angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, if you're not familiar with the geography of ancient Israel, or uh, this is probably a 30 to 40 mile stretch, and it's it's rocky, it's um there's nothing that lives there. It's kind of south from Jerusalem, heading towards the coast uh where where Gaza um was. And and he so he's he's just told, like, let's just go go do that. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandike, Candace, Kandis, uh, which means queen of the Ethiopians. A couple of things to note there. Uh, eunuchs um, were generally people who were not allowed to participate in full worship of the God of Israel, according to um, Jewish tradition at this time. There are some texts in the, uh, the Old Testament that talk about people who have um, uh, either damaged or severed um private parts and those people are unfit um according to some ways of interpreting uh worship of, of of the god of Israel. And so it's very interesting that 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 Luke brings that out that this guy um is the kind of person who normally wouldn't be allowed to have a true genuine worship of of the Lord. Not only that, he's from really far away, he's from Ethiopia. Um in Africa, uh, and as as maybe you know, the, um, in fact, we think he's responsible for it, the church actually expanded rapidly into North Africa um, very early on, and, and the, probably the greatest theologian um, in Christian history, uh, St. Augustine, was from Northern Africa, not Ethiopia, but close to it. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home. It's another strange thing. Here's this guy who lives really far away. Somehow he's heard about the God of Israel. Somehow he's excited about the God of Israel. And he makes this incredible journey, probably only because he's a wealthy, um, important official is he allowed to do this. He treks all the way to Jerusalem uh, in order to worship. And now he's on his way back home. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. I want you to imagine this, you're Philip, you're walking along the road, Philip's walking, he doesn't have a donkey or anything, he's just sauntering on his way because the Spirit told him to go, and and he catches up to a chariot. Normally that would be impossible, right, because chariots are drawn by horses and those are much faster than human beings. So it's very strange that Philip is able to catch up to this guy. So either he's on the side of the road, like, like just sitting there reading a scroll, or perhaps he's slowed down his chariot so much that it's like inching along, uh, so that it doesn't bounce too much so he can read the scroll. Um, and, and that's a true thing. Like, uh, the cars back then, or chariots were very, I went in a wagon once on like a, one of those, trips to like an animal farm. It was horrible, and no one could read in that. Uh, and if you did, you'd get a very, ba- very bad headache. And so he's either on the side of the road, or he's, he's bouncing along, and he's reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. First thing we notice here is, you're, you're Philip, and you catch up to this guy. He's not what you expect to find on the road, he's, he's, and he's reading something that you recognize, because Philip's well-read uh, well in the scriptures. He knows immediately that this guy is interested in spiritual things that's an important thing a lot of us when we're thinking about evangelizing or telling people about jesus or you know we're, we want people to get interested we're like we 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 go to the people that we really like the most and wish that they would come to church for uh, with us and and they're they're inveterate atheists they just can't stand god and we're like pounding on the door like please listen please i love you i love you listen and and we just expect if we just if we just punch that wall hard enough our knuckles will stop bleeding and we'll and we'll break through and suddenly that no Notice that Philip doesn't have he's not confused here. This guy's already interested in spiritual things. That's the first thing on your note sheets. Um, Be on the lookout for people in your life who are interested in spiritual things. You've only got so many hours in the day. You've only got so much to do. When you're yelping for Yahweh, feel free. Sprinkle that everywhere you go. Yelping for Yahweh is just you talking about your life, your experiences, and you're just, it's almost like that parable where the where you know throwing out seed wherever you go and a lot of that's going to go on good ground, some of it's going on bad ground, but maybe people will listen, maybe they won't. You yelp to whomever you like, like all the time, but when you're looking to really invest in someone's life and really bring them along in, in their journey of faith, well, they'd better be on one. Otherwise, you're just going to irritate them. You're gonna really bother them. And you may actually have a, have a negative impact. Remember, this isn't your work, okay? God is the one who goes out with His Spirit. We, we talk, we were singing about the Spirit of God. Spirit of God goes out and fertilizes hearts. There are hearts out there that are being worked on by the Spirit, and there are those that aren't. Don't bang your head against the people, against hearts that are just not ready to hear. Instead, be looking for those who are interested in spiritual things. Let's uh, go on in the text. So, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah, and the Spirit tells Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran up to the chariot. That kind of indicates that maybe the chariot's going really, really slow, and so he's like trying to catch up, uh, but we're not exactly sure. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. When you're um, getting ready to go to bed and you're reading your novel, you probably don't read it out loud. Um, but actually, uh, silent reading was invented in the uh, Middle Ages. Up until uh, the Middle Ages, everyone read out loud, at least in the Western tradition, they, they verbalized everything that they read, um, which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, silent reading was invented by the monks. Who knew? So, I, I'm sure it's a true fact. You can check that. You can Wikipedia that. All right. Um, reading Isaiah the prophet, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me hold on, this guy just took this like incredible journey from northern Africa to Jerusalem to worship. That's a, probably a once-in-a-lifetime thing for this guy. If you're going to go on a once-in-a-lifetime trip, you might presumably prepare for it. You might get interested in it. You might get excited about it. You might think about all the things that you want to do. In fact, he knows, just as we probably would know, that, that Jerusalem was the, the location of all the wisest rabbis in, Jew, in Jewish religion. This was the place where all the brilliant, you know, I guess, preachers were. And, and, and this would be the place where if he had questions or, or wanted to learn more and, and get deeper into his experience of worship, Jerusalem is where he's meant to go. And yet, now he's on the way home, and he's still reading this this scroll, and he still doesn't understand it. I suggest to you that when he says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me, that might be a little bit sarcastic. He he probably went to Jerusalem, and, and he probably did ask the rabbis, what does this mean? And he probably got four or five different answers, they all disagreed, and he just left in like, oh... He has the trip of a lifetime, the the chance to finally know the God, God, the way that God is meant to be known, and it's a it's a disappointment, it's a disaster. My brother-in-law, uh, he uh, Br- uh, Brett Brett and Trina, some of you know them. Um, they went. They just recently did a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Italy. Uh, they they're they don't have children yet, and they're like, well, once that happens, we'll never get out of the country again. So so we better make it count. And uh, he was telling me yesterday uh, that they went to uh, to Venice, and if you're familiar with Venice, there's like uh, little rivers, and and you can get in a gondola, like a little boat. And apparently, this is like extremely expensive, like a hundred dollars per person for thirty minutes. I mean, don't worry about the Italian tourist industry; they're doing great. Uh, but they they said, you know what? We're only going to be here once. We're only we're never coming back until the kids graduate from college, and probably not even then. So we've got to take advantage of this opportunity. They pay the 100 bucks, 200 or whatever, 80 euros. And, uh, and they get in the boat, and, and Brett's got his, uh, his book of Italian poetry where he's going to um, read that to Trina, have a really romantic experience. And he's pulling that out, and he just grabs a bouquet of flowers, which happen to be drifting by, and he hands it to her, and then it begins to rain, a torrential downpour. And they, So for the next 25 minutes, they're soaked. And he has to put the, the Italian poetry away, and they just kind of sit there like, huh. Well, this is kind of a disappointment. (laughs) I I imagine that's a little bit how the Ethiopian eunuch felt. He had had built up this incredible moment in his his life where finally all of his deepest questions would be answered. He would finally know God the way that he's meant to be known. And he gets there and it's like, well, it might mean this, it might mean that. No one really knows. Hope you had a good trip. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a huge tip. When, when someone is genuinely interested in spiritual things, they are going to invite you to share. You will not have to kick down the door. You will not have to bang on them. They will literally just be like, actually, I'm curious about some stuff, so could you... That's the next thing in your note sheets. When the Spirit is working on someone's heart, they will invite you to share. You do not have to be in like, attack mode. Because they're already curious. They want to know. Let's go back to the text. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? There aren't any, because his life has been taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? This text is from uh, Isaiah 53. And at the time of Jesus, or right around the time of Jesus, it was a, a, a locus point of a lot of conflict uh, between uh, the rabbis. They were very confused by this passage. And, and I want to show you why uh, they were confused about it. So let's take a look. This is right before the part um, that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch read to Philip. This is just like a couple of verses before. He is despised and rejected by men. This is all written hundreds of years before Jesus, by the way. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. We ignored him. We rejected him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him. We we treated him as stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Executed, ignored. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. The, The punishment for our peace, the cost of our peace, was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. If you've never heard of Jesus, you can imagine this being a very, very strange thing. the 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 rabbis of Israel knew that Isaiah had given this oracle. It's 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 actually spoken in in Hebrew poetry, and they were so confused because they could not identify who this person was. Was it Isaiah? Isaiah didn't get uh, murdered for anyone's transgressions. No one got healed because of his death. Is it maybe Israel? Well, unfortunately, Israel did get exiled to Babylon. There was a sense in which Israel was um, was sort of killed, but but Israel has descendants, and and there's still um, Jews to the to the, to this day. So it. it That can't be right. And so the rabbis would fight and fight and fight and fight. They had no idea what Isaiah 53 was about. And for Christians who know the story of Jesus being crucified, we know that this is referring to him hundreds of years before he came to be on this earth. Because truly by his stripes and by his death, we've been healed. Let's go back to the text um, in Acts. Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Who can it possibly be? Who is this man of sorrows? Who is this one who heals us? And then what happens with Philip here? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. That doesn't happen that often for us. There's not a lot of time. I've, so far in my, in my life, I've never once had someone be like, hey, man, I've been, uh, been studying the Old Testament deeply, and, uh, I'm a little bit confused about who God is. Can you, can you straighten that out for me? That's, that's not anything that, that I've ever experienced. I have, I have experienced a lot of people who have been curious about spiritual things. People who are like, well, I'm not sure. I mean, it seems like there must be something else going on. And then they've, they've asked me questions, right? Now, you're looking at this and you're like, you're like, uh, I'm not a Bible scholar. Um, I'm not prepared to tell people exactly how to work with, uh, Isaiah 53. Although, you, maybe you should be. That's an important passage. Uh, but even if you're not, like, I, how could I possibly, I'm not an expert. I don't know how all these things work. And, and so, maybe it's great for Philip. He's a leader in the church. Really super Christian. Good guy. I'm a normal human being. And I have no idea how it is that I am supposed to answer all these difficult, impossible questions that people might come up with as they're on their spiritual journey. Where, where, where is this for me? Notice that text. He began with that very passage of scripture and then told him the good news about Jesus. He starts with where this guy is at and then he, he goes one direction, straight to Jesus. This is the maybe the most important thing on your note sheets right here, um, if we can get that. You may not be ready for every question. Don't worry. Jesus is the answer. You may not be ready for the questions that people are going to ask you, but I guarantee you that some way or another, the answer is going to be Jesus. Let me explain how that works. Um, a lot of times, uh, especially in our current uh, context, when people are curious about faith, they'll say things like this, be like, well... I want to believe in God, but I was reading the New York Times, and um, they talked about this cosmic background radiation in the science section, and apparently there's a multiverse where every single possibility has been realized across uh, infinite universes, and there was a Big Bang, too. How does God account for that? Cool. Um, here's a tip. Uh, nobody who's writing the New York Times knows anything about science. Uh, if they did, they wouldn't be writing for the New York Times. They would be scientists. But if you really think that the New York Times is the best way to learn about science, awesome, really cool. When someone asks you questions about cosmic background radiation, and they're asking you about the Big Bang, and they're asking you about uh, the multiverse, when those questions start, they're not asking about any of that. Your response is, well, I don't know about uh, astrophysics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... That's not really the question, is it? Because really, what you want to know is whether or not any of this could be real. Really, what you want to know is if Jesus came back from the dead. That's it. Because let's be honest, if that happened, then the rest of it's just, you know, working out the details. If we have a good reason to believe that this one man died and then came back, if it really is true about Jesus, then everything else that you're worried about, we can figure that out later. But that's not really the question, is it? You're asking about this. The answer is Jesus. Um, this week, especially, uh, in the wake of any, you know, serious tragedy, a lot of people will ask questions like this. This happened after 9 11. Um, they'll say, well, you say that God exists, that he's good, that he's all powerful. If so, then why did he let this happen? Right? How could he let that psycho Get up there and start pumping round after round into a group of people who had no idea he was there. What what kind of God is that? And presumably the answer that they're expecting you to give is something like this well. In order for uh, God to have creatures who freely choose to love him, he has to give us free will and in order, that gives us some freedom, and because we have freedom, people can do nasty things, and ultimately, at the very end of days, we'll see all of it together, and all the terrible things that have happened, the children that have died, and, the, and all the pain and suffering, it's all going to be the black velvet on which the diamond that is the glory of God shones forth, and, and so you can see why it's okay for people to suffer and die. That's the answer they're expecting. No. Your answer is not a justification for human misery and suffering, The answer is Jesus. The answer is, you know what, I don't know what happens with Paddock and his AR-15 or whatever he was using. I do know that the defining act of God in the universe was to suffer and die at the hands of his very creation. I do know that whatever suffering people have experienced in this life, the the anxieties, uh, the fears, the pains, all of those things, I know that Jesus experienced them while he was here and experiences them still with us. I know that he is with us in my own suffering, in my own fear, in my own alienation, in my own loss. He was the one who was there for me. I can't tell you why this happened or why that didn't happen. I can tell you that Jesus Christ has been there with me. They may have a question about the Bible. How could God, you know, say, let us not suffer a witch to live? Why did God command killing witches? I don't know. But I do know this. Every part of the Bible, if you really work with it and spend time with it, it all ends up pointing to one person, the defining individual who is in himself the very life of God brought to us, and his name is Jesus. If you've got all these questions, don't worry about how complicated they are. Don't worry when people bring these things up to you. Just do what Philip did. Start where they are and then go straight to Jesus. Now, it's a little bit difficult when you're not used to it. It's a little bit difficult because you're, you think that you're having like an intellectual argument about whether or not human beings are free and how that answers the problem of evil. You're not. These people, if they are genuinely interested, have been pricked by the Holy Spirit and they are desperately searching not for an answer to the problem of evil, but for the love of Jesus Christ that frees them from sin and death and gives them hope for eternal life. So the the eunuch, um, he says, well, let's get baptized. This is the the news I've been waiting for. Is there any reason I can't? Let's do this. And so he picked it up. Then Philip began, or no, the the next one. mm -hmm. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Um. What's really cool about this is if you think about this guy, this Ethiopian eunuch, right? We don't. We just see like a little glimpse of his story, his journey. This is very interesting in, in Luke Acts. When when Luke tells stories about people being converted, a lot of times they actually happen on the road. People um, are on a journey, literally on a journey, and something happens where you know the road to Emmaus in Luke twenty four, where Jesus appears on the road with two guys in there, and as they're walking, they begin to understand uh, the the path towards God is 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 like a journey, and we don't know anything about the Ethiopian eunuch's journey except for this little vignette, this little moment. And yet, we, all, we do know that there's been lots of people in his life who have, have drawn him to this place. Philip shows up at this one critical juncture, this intersecting moment. But but there's been a lot, there's a history there that we don't know about. There's a history of how this guy first heard about the God of Israel. There's a history about how he got to go to Jerusalem to worship. There's a history about how he ha- came up with the questions that he did about the scriptures. There's all these, this background. And what Philip has been called to do is just one little thing, to show up and be like, Jesus, <laughs> that's his job, that's it. And then notice... The Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again. Poof! He's gone. Philip shows up for like 15 minutes, gets this guy, you know, saved and baptized, and then disappears. This is not like, you know, Philip's like, okay. He gets back in the chariot. They both go to Ethiopia. We never see Philip ever again. He becomes the court theologian of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. That's not what happens. It is not on Philip to do everything. Why is that important? Because evangelism and and the, the, the conversion experience, that journey, that journey is a work of God, not of Philip, not of you. Not of me. We, we, act, we act so often like, like oh, the pressure is on. I've got to make sure to, to get this person saved. I got, did I get all four spiritual laws just right? Did I tell them just exactly the right time to do Romans 3.23 and then John 3.16? Did I do it all perfectly? Because if I don't get them to sit down and say the sentence in just this order, I have failed. Wrong. Your job, our job, to testify to God is just to provide a little help along the way. That's it. This is the last thing on your note sheets. This work is God's. You are you are called to provide a little help along the way. Here it is. We're all on this journey, and those that the Spirit calls and pricks, those people are all headed in the same direction. And they're moving towards Jesus, they're coming towards Jesus, and at some point they break down on the side of the road, the chariot slows down, and they're they're stuck. And you come up beside them for just a little period, and you just give them a little nudge going that way, that way towards Jesus, and that's it. That is all that's asked of you. This doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all, it's just be ready to point the way. It's really hard uh, for those of us who don't spend a lot of time uh, speaking about God in our lives or even thinking about God. We come on Sunday, we put our time in, hope that, uh, that, it's, that it's good, and then, and then the rest of the week is as if Sunday never happened. Ironically, as a pastor, I can do this too. Like, you know, oh, Sunday's over, let's get down to business, let's make sure we're paying the bills. I don't have to worry about that. Dustin and the finance committee take care of paying the bills and are very often very upset with me because of my spending ways. I apologize. I'm just kidding, but not really. (laughs) Imagine, though, imagine for just a second what it would be like if all the Christians, not just here right now, not just... um, us, but all the people who follow Jesus and and have believed in him in Southern California. Imagine if all of them, all of the time, were just sprinkling their regular conversation and life with their conviction about who God is and what God has done. God protected my my niece uh, during that, that Vegas shooting. Yeah. God's talking to your, your girlfriend. He's talking to you too. Pay attention. I can't believe it. And I, I, didn't, I don't know how I, you're at work and things are going bad. I don't know how I can deal with this except for the fact that I have God on my side and, and I know that he's looking out for me. Work's going great. I am so blessed. I know that this all comes from the hand of God and his provision for me and I hope that I do right by him. Now imagine that all of us, all of us and all those around us and all the other churches around here, we're all doing this all the time. Imagine what that would look like. It would look like there's all these people that we have connections to they're the parent of a kid on um on our on our, our, our Alice's soccer team, but they also um at their at their school, uh the 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 best friend of their child, their parents happen to go to another church. And 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 then when they uh head over here that at, at work at the bank, um one of the their co-workers is also a Christian who goes to another church, and all of us are are sprinkling these little yelps for Yahweh into their lives, and they're hearing it and their ears are pricked up, and at a certain point they're like, gosh this God thing might might actually be real. And then as a result, they might start to have a genuine interest as the Spirit works through all of us speaking this way. And they might actually come to a point where on their journey, they get to a point like, I really got, I'm really interested in God. I really want to know the truth about, about God. And they're going to be sitting there on the side of the road in a chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, not literally. and 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 then Philip, one of us, or somebody else is going to come along and just say, get to Jesus. That is how evangelism is meant to work. That is how we're meant to work. It's, we're, this, is, this is a team game. You are not responsible for getting everyone saved. You are responsible for having the word of God and who he is on your lips always. Some more good and possibly bad news depending on where you are in the world. If you speak this way regularly, if you drop this in all the time, when someone's ready for a little help on the way, it's going to be really easy for you to hear their question and give them Jesus as the answer. Because your mindset, the way that you think, the way that we think, will be completely bathed in Jesus is real, God is alive, he is active, we are forgiven, there is hope, and that's just going to come out of us naturally. So yeah. A lot of you did not turn in your homework assignments this week. Um, and you know who you are. And I do too. <laughs> uh, but here, here, I, I was just going to extend um, your homework deadline a week. And I'm doing that. So if, if you meant to do it, but you just couldn't find time, you get another week and, and email me. This uh, this is not a joke. Uh, like, really, go for this. Do this. Try to try to you know speak about God in a way that's like not uncomfortable, just normal. Like, this is part of my life, um, and and let me know about it. And then here's the other thing. Don't just do this once. I got a lot of emails are like, glad I got that over with. <laughs> You're like. <"W-> uh. <laughs> You checked, you checked the box. That's cool. But, uh, this is actually really supposed to be more like a habit or a practice. Um, we, we don't, uh, we didn't talk about what Philip's done too much. But by the time this story happens, it's really clear that Philip is all over the place. And he's constantly talking about Jesus. He's constantly talking about God. He's doing amazing things all over. And so when the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, throws like this ultimate theological question out, he's like, Jesus! Like, no problem. Because that's who he is, and that's what he does. So if you did not do your assignment this week, do it. And email me about it. And if you did do your assignment this week, do it again. And tell me about it again. And what I really am looking forward to is the moment when we are doing this regularly, and one of you says, I don't know how it happened, but I ran to this person... And I could really tell they were interested in spiritual things. And I got to point them to Jesus. That's what we're really aiming for. That's what we're waiting for. But it's not gonna start happening unless you start yelping for Yahweh. I know, me too. I, again, not yelling at you. I also should probably, as a pastor, I should probably be telling people about Jesus. I get it. We're all in it together. So yes, I'm going to send you another email this week on Tuesday, and I'm going to berate you and say "Yelp for Yahweh" this week. Um, before we pray, just one last thing: uh, go on, go on Facebook. I'll make sure it's on it's on mine um, it's on my Facebook page, which is a thing, and I'll make sure it's on the uh, Coast Bible page. But uh, one person. My good friend John Harnett uh really literally yelped for Yahweh. And he uh he blasted all of his uh, atheist and agnostic friends with a video with him and him and Rocco saying, Get your butt to church. I would have shown it here uh right now, but he references alcoholic beverages such as Bloody Mary's, which is inappropriate for church. So we're just gonna uh but check it out, you're gonna love it. It's uh it's a really it's a really sweet, sweet moment and it made my day. And uh well, hopefully some of them will show up. Um, but in the meantime, let's, let's uh, give people a little help along the way and point them to Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, um, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for um, those who were given opportunities to share just little things about how alive you are and how real you are um, and how you save and, and how you protect and how you speak. God, I ask uh, that you will enliven our hearts uh, to do more, to just have your work and your reality on our lips, that you'll prepare us uh, to find people who are interested in you, that you'll um, have us on the lookout to to be invited to share about you with them. I pray, God, that we will be ready to point them, whatever their question, uh, to the real answer, which is your son, Jesus. God bless every person here and and give us um, the strength to offer a little help along the way. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.